IntelliKey Leadership Stories with Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn or visit our website, pureintellikey.com. Here's your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Hello again, friends. Welcome back to our podcast, IntelliKey Leadership Stories. And Kirsten, we have enjoyed hearing our guests their own leadership stories and how they're achieving their IntelliKey. And you're hosting a group where people can share some of their stories about their soul's purpose and what they're working on in their lives. I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm excited to Mark. This program came to me probably about three years ago, and I, I believe in divine timing. So and it's really just starting to get its legs and we're, we're having a lot more interest in it. I've created what's called the sacred medicine wheel. And it is a compilation. It's a multicultural medicine wheel. So it's a compilation of shamanic principles, global shamanic principles. As, as you know, I've studied in various traditions for a very long time. And this is actually designed, especially in light of COVID, to support people in connecting back to the natural frequencies of nature of land, of indigenous principles on a global scale, not just Native American, but on a you know global, because indigenous is important for every culture to walk through cycles of self and move it through self-awareness, connect deeper with aspects of earth itself, and then also you know, other planes of consciousness, but also how to go deeper into what their real purpose is so they can pull it forward, right? We know I'm a CEO, I have been a CFO, a CCO, so profitability, all of that actually matters to me as well as the the medicine wheel, they're not exclusive. So this program is truly designed to allow people to go deeper into self, get deeper into connection, those tools support them in elevating their own goals, and then how to apply this into daily practices that continue to further their potentiality. That's a wonderful program. And how can people find out about it? You can find out about it on the Pure IntelliKey website, www.pureintelliKey.com. Oh, wonderful. And it's in that light that we talk about achieving their purpose in a more meaningful, more purpose-driven, mission-driven kind of a way as leaders that we have as our guest today, one of those kind of people that helps heart-centered leaders and entrepreneurs really achieve their potential. And I'm so glad that we have today, Michael Atma. Michael, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you. It's a real pleasure to be on the show. <laughs> yeah, well, and we always like to, you know, really open our circle of friends out on a very global basis. So Michael's calling in with us today from Brisbane, Australia. Michael is working in the areas of meditation, combining that with some business and life principles, all about really how to help people master many areas in their life. Michael, as people think about trying to maximize, you know, their potential, in all these areas of their life. What do people mention to you the most that they want to work on? Uh, yeah, interestingly enough, it, it com- comes back to their belief systems uh, and their limiting or negative beliefs that kind of keep them stuck where they're at. So that's the most repetitive scenario that I get from almost everybody I work with. And, and if it isn't present for them right on the surface, they soon become aware that, oh, hang on a second, 
there's stuff going on inside me that I'm not seeing, that I'm kind of blind to, that's actually influencing the results, the direction, the health, the energy, you know, the sleep, every aspect of their lives. So I, I got really uh, dialed into that in my own path when I first got started. So fortunately, I was able to, you know, work on how to help people release their subconscious belief programs that were holding them back. But yeah, that's the main area that I find comes up over and over again. And if it doesn't come up straight away, it's not far away. <laughs> yes. Well, and the organization that you founded is even called Path Cutters. And I like this visual image of, you know, we're cutting the path. We're not just following someone else's path, are we? Correct. Yeah. The reason I, it's interesting that I even got that domain name, pathcutters.com, which you know, happened many, many years ago. That's almost impossible now to get a one name, you know, URL. But uh, Pathcutters came about because I realized very early on when I went deep into meditation while I was living in ashrams for a while, that, you know, it, it just dawned on me that we are all walking our own path and that nobody else can walk it for us. And that if we try and follow other people, we're really going to lose our way because that's their path. And, and until we really embrace our own destiny and our own sole purpose and discover or at least embrace that hey you know whatever path I walk be it failing be it succeeding however it looks that's it's me it's all me and I get to own that I you know I love that statement because as you begin to move into that self-awareness category, right? Even just keeping it out of the spiritual realm for a moment. But if you put it in that self-awareness category, there's a moment in time where people come to realize that self-accountability. We are the only ones who can really care for ourselves at the level that we need to care for us. I'm seeing a shift where people actually want to own where they're going. Yeah, I, I call that, um, you've probably seen the chart going around, but it's been around for a long time, since about the 50s. It's, it's called Above and Below the Line. And a lot of work that I do is to help people to realize that they can choose to live what's called above the line, which is, in, in essence, just taking responsibility for their decisions, accountability for their actions and ownership for their results, instead of playing the victim game, which, of course, blaming the government, blaming the doctors, blaming the traffic, and then making excuses why they're not you know, having and living and doing the life that they really feel that they were here to do or are here to do. And then also getting out of deniability or you know, that, that place where they're not even willing to look at that they could be responsible <laughs> because it's just not in their field of awareness. So yeah, that, that's, I agree with you completely. It's, it's, I call it radical responsibility, just stepping up and, and letting the world know, you know what, rise or fall, it's up to me. Uh, I just have to let go of all the excuses now it's it, whatever happens, it's all me. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's heavy stuff too, Michael. I think about my own uh, life. Uh, Kirsten knows after six decades on the planet, I'm still trying to please my mom. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to take personal accountability. <laughs> uh, so, I love that. And so, Michael, as you think about, I guess, the, the modalities or the techniques or the methods that you help people with, what which... What kind of things should they be looking at to try to bring these to the surface for themselves? Yeah, well, that's a great question. Oh, my goodness. Um, there are so many tools and techniques and so on. But, you know, I, I like to keep it simple. And to me, if we're really taking the time to be present in our body, our body is kind of our guiding compass if we're really open to listening to it. We all have an inner voice that speaks to us, that guides us, that intuitively 
leads us in the right direction, that, that draws to us signs and signals of which way to move and what to do and where to go. But the thing is, if we're not present in our body, we're going to miss those signals and signs and miss that voice. We're not even going to hear that voice because our ego is so busy trying to dominate us and lead us in the direction of, you know, what I call the crowd, <laughs> the rest of the crowd, because that's what it feels safe to do. Um, so, yeah, really being present in the body is the simplest and most empowering tool we can use because once we're in our body, we're really grounded in that, then we start to learn to trust ourselves more. We start to learn to listen to our body, to feed it what it needs, to, you know, to, to give it the energy that it needs, to give it the sleep that it needs. These are real basic things, but unless we have these, this foundation of being present and grounded in our body, there's no point exploring the heavens because we're just going to disappear. <laughs> no, no question. And Kirsten, I think you know, as Michael's describing this, I think of the story that you tell that, you know, we can meditate and we can ohm and we can, you know, search the heavens as you just said, Michael, but, but we have to do the basics, like get some sleep and eat right and so forth. Exactly. And these very practical things. Mm -hmm. And be happy in our body. You know, to me, if we're in our body, you know, the greatest healing tool I've ever discovered is just being present. If we're present, then we can listen to our body and give it what it needs. But if we're so busy in our head, you know, living our lives in our head, then all our energy is so dissipated and distracted and all over the place. And, and it's not allowing your body, just uh, allowing us to be happy and at peace with our lives in the body. <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, and what's coming to me as you're speaking, you know, a lot of my clients are women and one out of every three women are raped in America and they are, they don't go into their body easy. It's not safe to be in their body, right? So there's a disassociation. So as we begin to move through these practices, there's a point in time where we actually have to deal with that trauma at an anatomic level and yeah. teach them to claim their own safety and sovereignty so they can yes. actually come back in. And the truth is, there's a lot of men that have that too. And yeah. my male clients do open up to that, but the women seem to stay out of their body the most. Moving to that point where you educate them that you are your own internal parent, right? And you can create the container of safety now. But I think that's a really big conversation because it is easy to say you need to be into your body because, you know, I have a lot of young kids who like to astral project. And I'm like, wait, 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 you need to learn the basics. Like we need to talk about this. Yeah. And, you know, a real simple place to start around that is just like set a, a notification or reminder every hour to do four conscious breaths or six conscious breaths or eight conscious breaths. Just that's partly what I mean by being in the body. It's not necessarily coming right into the body uh, because that, as you know, that takes time uh, because, you know, where most of us are walking around in a trance-like state anyway. You know, those times when you drive your car and you realize, holy, you know, <laughs> holy handle, I've just traveled 10 kilometers. And right. I, can't I didn't about see anything. Yeah, didn't see anything. You know, we're having a shower and then you guys, well, hang on a second, you know, 15 minutes have gone by. We're brushing our teeth. So we're living in this trance-like state. And to me, being able to come back to something as simple as doing some conscious breaths, it's just a reminder to, okay, I, 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 what else can I do to really make sure that I'm here so that I'm not missing my life, so that I'm not missing just being instead of always being caught up in doing. So that to me is about coming back to the body is really acknowledging that I'm a human being as well as a human doing and not getting so lost up in the doing. I understand like, um, 
well, I haven't been through it, but intellectually I've studied trauma and I've done trauma therapy. So I, I understand that, you know, there's deep emotional wounds that need to be healed for people before they feel safe to really, you know, be here. Um, but just doing something so simple like that can start to bring back a, a feeling of connectedness in, in their being rather than just constantly being distracted and avoiding what's really going on inside them anyway. Mm -hmm. I agree. And you just spoke Mark's language. You gave very simple, actionable steps to begin right away. And, and, and other simple ways of being in the body, which obviously you guys would both know. It's like, go be in nature, you know, go, go for a swim because you, it's hard to avoid being present when you, you've got to do something to stay afloat or go in nature and go hiking, you know, go, go sit by a tree. It's really hard to avoid nature when you're in it and just disconnect from social media. These are really simple things that we can do to come back to our body. Yeah, it's so interesting, Michael, because uh, as simple as they do sound, and they are simple, sometimes people have this excuse, well, you don't understand, I have to go to work, I have to have my kids on Zoom school now, I have to uh, I have all these other priorities and neighbors and conflicts and all the things that are going on. Is there, a, again, this mindfulness, be in the present moment that you try to recommend that say, you know, don't, don't try to be commuting you know, while you're meditating or something yeah. that says how to reconcile these uh, mental priorities. Yeah, uh, for me, I would always recommend, and I don't, I'll just check in with you to see that we're on the same page. But, you know, if you're talking about people that like are stuck at home and it's hard for them to get out and get into nature. I, I studied over 180 different meditation techniques and mindfulness techniques. And what that's given me is a really big kind of like reservoir of strategies to be able to help people to come into the present moment so for example if you have kids at home and you're on doing zoom schooling um take a five minute play break and just put some music on and sing and dance with your kids that's being present that's being i love that one <laughs> yeah, i love that one you know and, and i taught a group of kids foster care kids well i actually lived in america for a while and i was up in oregon in the mountains and i was writing my first book and um snow everywhere and there was these foster kids living on this other property not far away and they i used to meditate every day but i do active meditation so music and dancing and all sorts of chaotic meditation and then one day you know i heard this knock on my door a meditation door. there's a group of kids outside and they said hey what are you doing and i said oh i'm doing a meditation they said oh can we learn to meditate and they're all different sizes and ages probably about 10 of them and i said well first of all where are you from they said oh we've got a, we're from the foster home over in the ranch next door and i said oh well you go ask the people if it's okay that uh, for your foster carers if it's okay for you to do that because uh, i want to make sure that it's all good so i went over with them we checked in yes so they came back and i showed them how to meditate dancing to michael jackson and it was so fun they'd never meditated before and every day they kept coming back to learn more about how to meditate and while dancing and playing and having fun so i'll give you the little qualifier here that allows the meditation part to happen. So when you're putting music on and you're dancing with your kids and make it a game, make it fun, you know, go silly, be crazy, because that brings out our inner child as well, which is also very mindful. And then at the end of the music, you stop the music suddenly and you get everyone to fall on the ground and just close their eyes and be, even if it's for 30 seconds. And that's the meditation part. That's you're teaching people that you can be still at the end of an activity and allow yourself this energy. And it does, it happens for everybody. One little girl said, she said, I was floating above my body just in 30 seconds. It was amazing. <laughs> That's good. And Michael, you put some of these techniques and approaches in, in a book, in a guide. You mentioned right in your book. Tell us how we can find this guide. 
Yeah, um, the, well, the book at the moment, the, that book is uh, the first one that I brought out. That's no longer available. It's called Peaceful Mind, Powerful Life. But the, the latest one that I wrote is called Master Your Mind Space, and you can get that on Amazon. Uh, and, and it's got little five-minute mindful techniques that people can practice and use, yeah. Great, we'll look that up. You know, I was also reading uh, one of your articles recently that was talking about, you know, how we give away some of our present moment, again, by worrying about what other people think. <laughs> what, what is your perspective on that? Well, I stopped doing that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I still know. think I, I still think I care what other people think. I think other people may question that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, there's two parts to it. Number one, if you still care about what other people think, then the mindful thing to do is just acknowledge that uh, and, and don't beat yourself up about it. If that's the truth, then that's the truth. Uh, I, I don't believe in, in lying to ourselves or trying to fake it till you make it. It's, it's what's real. It's what's authentic in the moment. And if other people's opinions or what they think about you, it matters, then just the awareness of that is enough because having awareness means you now have a choice. Do I continue to play the game of being worried and concerned about what others think or do I perhaps stretch a little and perhaps wear a pink hat today? or perhaps wear a tutu today, or perhaps, you know, talk in a high voice today. Uh, because over the years, I, I, I ended up with all my personal development. I've spent over a million dollars on personal transfer, my own personal transformation, and I've made more than 10 times that back. But the point is that I constantly been stretching myself like piece by piece. It's really hard to jump off a cliff and kind of, you know, get get it all in one hit. I don't know many people that that happens for, but I do believe in gradual growth and gradual um, transformation. So when you have the awareness that you have a choice to continue playing a game, even if it's a mental or emotional game in relationships or in relationship to other people, then you can choose to stretch that just a little, just to see what happens and then come back. And then the next time stretch a little bit more and eventually your boundaries start to get a little bigger and a little bit more open and you get a little less concerned. It's a gradual process of opening up to realizing that, you know what, people probably don't give a shit about what I do. It's more of I give a shit about what I do and I'm just projecting onto them. It's got nothing to do with them, which it actually doesn't. It's got nothing to do with them. It's got everything to do with my fears and insecurities. So really all we're doing is giving ourselves permission to A, be insecure, and then B, if we want to and we're willing and we're ready just to stretch those step by step by step, you know, one one micro moment at a time. <laughs> you know, I'm going to ask Mark's question for him. There's, you know, always a path in our life that we take. It's a defining moment that puts us onto the path of choice. And, you know, you spoke to your own self-awareness and your own spiritual growth process. How did that start? How'd that come about? Yeah, uh, awesome question. Started for me about 30 years. I lived and worked in Melbourne. Uh, I lived. I worked in an international airline company. I was a middle management position, uh, corporate really. And I was flying around the world. I had an awesome life. Tons of money, tons of friends. Never was at home. Um, had a great lifestyle. Drinking myself stupid with alcohol, basically. Um, but I was having fun. It was a lot of fun. And then one day I came to work and I was told that I'd been retrenched from this, this job. And I didn't understand anything spiritual. At that point in my life, there was no spirituality. My dad was an atheist. My mum was like a Christian, but no, those two never met. So, so I had no clue. I didn't sit anywhere. 
I just had no clue. And <clears throat> so, yeah, I had no spiritual concepts at all. I had no concept of self. I, I was just somebody that enjoyed my life. Then it was all taken away. So I lot, and at that time I was engaged. So I lost my job. My fiance said I was a loser because I didn't have a job anymore. So she left, <laughs> which was a good thing. And, and then I found myself that my confidence, all of a sudden my confidence went because that's all I knew was that job. And so my confidence went. I, I found I couldn't get work. I didn't want to get up in the morning. Probably had depression. I didn't understand those labels back then either. I'd never had that. You know, I was always a happy-go-lucky, outgoing kind of guy that made friends easily. Uh, but now I was a hermit and I was too scared to go out. I was anxiety-ridden. I was having panic attacks. Never had been before in my life. I had insomnia. I couldn't sleep. I was a mess. And then I found myself like being a victim from where I was living because I had no money left. And so I was homeless now. And so, yeah, it just all collapsed. And this all happened, by the way, in the space of a week. It wasn't a long period of time. So I went from this jet-setting lifestyle to homeless, out in the streets, basically. And so for the next six months, I, I, was, I had to pick up the pieces. I, had to, I was too proud to reach out to my parents, and I was too proud to reach out to my friends. I literally distanced myself from everybody, which a lot of people you know, do, we, especially men. We do that. We said, I'm a man. I need to toughen up. And so, yeah, I, but I was collapsing. I completely collapsed. But anyway, I remember walking through the park every day, which is the only exercise I got. And then it dawned on me. I, I thought, why am I so afraid? Where's this fear coming from? I need to understand this fear thing. And I was, I was led by a friend who called up and said, look, um, I'm going to do this course. And I, I really, I want to pay for you to do it because I know that you're, su you're suffering and struggling. And please come do this course with me. And she was just a, a, guy, a, a guardian angel that appeared, really, because I was gone, lost, bottom of the barrel. I was just in complete hopelessness. And so I went and did this four-week course. And at the end of the four weeks, I had some tools. And I started asking different questions. And the question that I had now was, what is love? Because I understood fear, because that's where I was. I really understood fear. For the first time in my life, I was experiencing fear. And, and now I had a different question, what is love? So I said to the universe, I said, show me love. I need to now understand love. I know fear, show me love. And then it got worse. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I know that moment. I have had yeah. that moment. Well, I got what I asked for. And so the universe is saying, if you want to understand love, you really got to understand that this is love too. And I didn't understand that then. But there, this it's all love. <laughs> that was the cosmic joke. So it got worse. But I had tools. So I started using the tools. And, you know, within six months, I found my way to my first meditation circle. I was meditating. By the way, the very first meditation I did, I sat down um, and within six weeks, I had no more anxiety, no more panic attacks. And I was this, a massive skeptic when it came to meditation. Like when I got invited to this meditation circle, I said, are you kidding me? That crap, what, doing nothing? It's used, it's just waffle. So I went, and I, I went there begrudgingly, sat in the back, closed my eyes and thought, oh, this is just nonsense. And then an hour later, I opened my eyes and said, that was nonsense. And the meditation teacher came up with a big smile and she said, what happened for you in your meditation? I said, well, what do you mean what happened? Nothing. You didn't do anything. It was useless. And she said, well, no, an hour went by. You closed your eyes and, and I looked around and everybody in the room had gone. And I said, where's everyone gone? She said, they all went home. She said, you've been here half an hour after the meditation finished. I just was curious about where you went. I said, I have no clue. So anyway, my intellectual mind got a hold of that and and I decided I needed to understand what happened. <laughs> Where, what was this thing? And it just, yeah, that, that grew my passion for meditation. 
so within six months, I was um, traveling over. I came to America. I found, I went to my first meditation center. Uh, I then ended up at an ashram meditating 12 hours a day and over a month and, and saw things and experienced things and opened up things inside me that I didn't know existed. And coming out of that, I wrote my first book within six weeks. It was just done. I had this whole book in my head. I was now hearing songs in my head. My creativity was just like full, like switched on. I had all these creative downloads coming through. Like I could literally hear 12 instruments in a song and I've got the words as well. I'm going, but I don't know what these instruments are. And then the voice would come, that's an oboe. Oh, okay, what's an oboe? <laughs> but, I, but I literally had all this, these jewels coming through me and then I knew I had to teach. But I had relatively little experience. Uh, and so, yeah, that was then the beginning of my path of becoming a teacher. That's a fantastic backstory and very, very moving, very inspirational uh, of how you sort of hit that bottom and then, you know, built your way back. Well, our guest is Michael Atma, and he's a terrific teacher, mentor, and meditation guide for many people, especially uh, those looking to be more heart-centered and entrepreneurs looking to build their businesses and practices. Michael, um, after now you've told us where all this came from, let's turn the corner and look ahead. What's on the horizon for you? And how do you see things going forward for you? Yeah, well, you know, since those beginnings of losing everything and being completely robbed of confidence, um, I went on to build seven, since then, seven of my own companies. Three of them are still operating now. One runs itself, and it's a multi-million dollar company. This was with no business experience. Now, I really want to emphasize this to people listening, that you don't have to you don't have to be born into this to do it. It, it, it can evolve naturally from inside you if, if you wanted to. We're, I believe we're all, we all have an entrepreneur inside us, an inner entrepreneur waiting to be birthed. Every single one of us, every single one of us can lead if we really want to, even if it's just leading ourselves. Uh, and for me now, for the future, I just want to keep giving back. So I put myself into a position where I'm building a company now where it's it's all about giving back. It's about giving back to you know endangered species. It's about giving back to uh, underprivileged people. It's about giving back to those people who are who are really lost and uh, but are ready to find themselves. They're ready to find out what else can they do to really tap into their true what I call diamond within or their true potential within themselves. Their sole purpose, as as Kirsten Kirsten mentioned earlier, it's I really want to be able to give more of that to people. So yeah, I'm creating a lot of pathways, so to speak, to help people to find themselves and to recover themselves. So I offer these really low cost programs, um, you know, like a monthly mentorship program, virtually no money, and and people's lives are changing. You know, people are stepping up, becoming leaders in their own right. I offer high-end programs too for those people that want to create a bigger business for themselves um, to step into their deeper into their inner entrepreneur and create themselves a business that's sustainable, that uh, gives them a lifestyle that they really want to, that really nourishes them and that really fulfills them, but also that helps them to give back as well. So yeah, that, that's where the future is for me to continue to grow this vision I have of everybody being able to access their own inner wisdom and, and really be able to step onto their own path and become the leader they were born to be. That's exciting. Well, Michael, how can uh, listeners connect with you and, and follow what you're working on? Yeah, look, a couple of ways. Uh, go to my website, which is michaelatma.com, uh, A-T-M-A.com. 
or just find me on Instagram. I'm Instagram uh, slash Mike Latmer or at Mike Latmer. Um, come visit me in Facebook. I do a lot of my business on Facebook at the moment. It's been really uh, wonderful there. I've got a really uh, couple of really big groups that I'd like to invite people to come and join me in. One's called Transcend, where we're doing all things transcending the mind, the body, the emotions, <laughs> this world. Uh, so it's a, it's a really beautiful little, uh, well, it's quite big now, but yeah, there's a lot of people in there that have similar visions. Um, you're welcome to come join that as well. Oh, definitely we will. Well, what a terrific conversation. Kirsten, what, uh, from a takeaway standpoint, we've talked a lot about the being more mindful and we've talked about some tools and techniques and pathways that listeners can do. What, what is your sense of things as we uh, conclude? I would say my biggest takeaway today is doesn't have to be big. You can start small and begin having impact in your life if you're willing to give it a try. That's so important. Start from where we are, right? And then take those steps from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really love the actionable steps of just that conscious breath. It's an easy one for people to take on and don't feel like they have to move things out of their life. And you know, a really big one I'd like to share before we finish up is that it's okay. And this took me a long time to understand this. It's okay to feel. It's okay to feel our emotions. It's okay to feel angry. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel happy even a lot of people suppress their happiness too i, I think that really basic foundation of, of of giving yourself permission to be okay with your emotions and not having to push them down there is there's so much power comes with that so much empowerment comes with that and so much freedom because now we're not having to hide ourselves from ourselves um and it, it, it baby steps with that baby steps it took me a long time to get that but if i could really give a really simple tool Start to look in the mirror and just, and next time you feel upset about something, you know, it's okay to feel upset. I'm human. It's part of being human. I, you know, yes, I'm divine, but I'm also human. And it's to, it's to love that part of you too, because that part of you, it just wants to be loved and seen and heard and accepted. When we do that, everything changes. I promise you, everything changes. So good. Well, thanks to our guest, Michael Atma, and we've just gotten so much good uh, actionable insight and thanks for sharing your experience and your IntelliKey stories. We really appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. thank you so much for having me on your show. It's been such a blast. Uh, it, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It has been fun. And listeners, if this is the kind of conversation you enjoy and it motivates and inspires you, you may want to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening now. And feel free to give us a review or a rating or any feedback or comments that you have. We're always open to making the podcast even better for you as we grow. Well, Kirsten, we also look forward to having people join your uh, upcoming group. Tell us yeah. again where to find information about that. Yeah, you can find the information on that at www.pureintellikey.com. And that's the sacred medicine wheel. It's a multicultural medicine wheel. Well, fantastic. Well, listeners, come back again for our next episode. We'll be talking with another leader who is guiding and innovating their companies, their products, their brands with a higher vision something that's more sustainable and conscious and environmentally sound, all the things that we know we want for a better world and a better future to leave behind for the next generation. And we even talk to the next generation of leaders on how they see the world developing. So until next time, for Kirsten Gouldie, I'm Mark Stinson. Thanks for joining IntelliKey Leadership Stories. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. 
subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. On behalf of your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stinson, thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. If you like IntelliKey Leadership Stories, I want to tell you about another podcast I host called Unlocking Your World of Creativity. Each episode features an expert from somewhere around the globe that tells us about how they get inspired, how they organize their ideas, and how they gain the confidence and connections to get their work out into the world. From singer-songwriters to entrepreneurs, on topics like data analytics to hotel management, we talk to experts from Milan and Oslo, Buenos Aires and Los Angeles, all over the globe to bring you the best ideas and inspiring your creative thinking You can find Unlocking Your World of Creativity wherever you listen to podcasts.